Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. This is from out of nowhere. I'm Eric Furness along with Rob Kern. Jason Balkin from Jesus Chrysler will join us as we debate uh, Sammy Hagar and whether or not he uh, should exist or not exist or if his existence has been fruitful or just annoying. Rob, um, good news. We have a new sponsor. Who is it? Who, who's our sponsor? We love it. We love having sponsors. Well, our old friend Tyler Perry hasn't been giving us any advertising bucks for a while. But uh, he's got a new show in the works on BET. It's Tyler Perry Presents Paul Ledeen's Down Home Soul Food Cooking. So uh, I'd like to thank Tyler Perry again for sponsoring us and the fact that he was able to give Paul Ledeen a new, a new show. Is it a is it a theme show? Is it like from a you know a certain era? Like like does she have people in bow ties and white shirts? And it, it's set in the antebellum South. That's all I know. They're keeping the tight lid on it. Um, but they're billing it as Paula Dean, the Ted Nugent of cooking. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you just recently ramped up your um, annual meeting of the mindless camping trip. I'm glad to see you survived and weren't eaten by a chupacabra. We there. We saw no chupacabra. A lot of raccoon. Um, a lot. A lot of alcohol was consumed. It was. It was. Uh, I was impressed. We we had a big crowd this year. I don't know, there was like half a dozen campsites of people, and kind of everybody would congregate to our site, and we'd get drunk and play cheap trick, and uh, yeah, it, it was very nice. It, we we had we did a lot of drinking. Uh, one dude cooked a big pot of jambalaya over the fire. It was a good time. Sounds like a great time. Now I went to see the new Superman movie, Man of Steel. Have you seen this piece of shit yet? No, not yet. It's an orgy of violence. It's like Every 30 seconds, there's a skyscraper collapsing, and the camera just sort of lingers on it. And it hit me that the director, Zack Snyder, must have masturbated when the World Trade Centers came down on 9-11. The dude just loves the sight of a falling building, and it's just disgusting because after about the fifth one falls and Superman does nothing, I'm thinking, man, there's got to be like 40,000 people dead now. In those, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't care. 
shouldn't he be taking the you know uh, agent Van Alden over the ocean and scrapping with him there? I was going to no. ask how Van Alden was. Were there speakeasies in the bottom of all those uh, buildings? <laughs> No, and Paz de la Huerta doesn't make an appearance either as the love interest because I loved it when he knocked up that drunk hoe. But uh, Van Alden's fantastic. The whole cast is great. The special effects are great. The movie looks great. But you leave feeling like, was that it? And it's disappointing because it could have been really good. And that uh, that British guy, you know, Angus Doodle probably would have made a better British Superman. But uh, the new guy is pretty good. I'll say that for him. But the movie's terrible. Huh. And uh, I saw the trailer for World War Z, and all this time I thought it was a movie about uh, Randy Jackson's uh, band uh, Zebra, but it's not. <laughs> I was, I've been waiting for a, a, a Zebra biopic for years. You never hear much of them anymore. They should be playing like Melodic Rock Fest. We've got we've got to look that guy up. Yeah. Um, fans of Foon, if, if we actually can call you fans, um, know that we, we like to pick on Sammy Hagar quite a bit. And our, our buddy uh, Jason Bakken of uh, the great band out of Minnesota, Jesus Chrysler, who you, you hear quite a bit on the SMUs hosted by my buddy Rob. He, uh, he finally had enough, and he wanted to step up and uh, defend Sammy, and we thank him for doing that. And as you can tell, he gets the better of us in this conversation. Yeah, he called us out. He said, I want to have a throwdown. I'm, I'm tired of you guys picking on Sam. And so we invited him on the show to talk about it. And here it is. Let's check it out. First off, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody, Baco? Tell the listeners out there just who the hell is this guy. My name is Baco. I'm in a rock band in Minnesota called Jesus Chrysler. We are uh, over underachievers, and uh, apparently, I'm a gigantic defender of all things Sammy Hagar. <laughs> we actually, you were going to be on one of the SMUs. We actually had a nice two, three hour drinking session one night, and that was during the. Uh, the great Foon electronic crash of uh, yeah. 2011 <laughs> and 12 and then early 13 <laughs> yeah. this this Mac crash today when I was trying to load pictures into iPhoto yeah I, I um, I've noticed in some of your posts that you are a huge supporter of all Apple products it's my fault. I made the crack when Steve Jobs died that uh, if he was so brilliant he would have invented the eye pancreas and ever since then it's been downhill <laughs> That was the first piece of hate mail we got, too. Oh, really? What was the hate mail? Just because I was cracking on uh, Steve Jobs all the time with the eye pancreas joke. I kept plugging that joke for like three months until I got a laugh out of it. It never happened, but I was amused by it, and really that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did uh, He did uh, turn a lot of people into human sheep. Well, and if he was that great, would Ashton Kutcher be playing him in a biopic? Well, that's news to me, but no. So, the new CD, Make Bold Statements, fantastic record. Meant to tell you that, if I haven't already. Great Thank record. You. Appreciate it. And you gotta, when's the schedule, the follow-up scheduled? Um, It's about, I don't know, roughly it's a little over half recorded. Okay. So. Uh, we don't really have a release date, but uh, based on how long everything took on that, and you know, we do it everything ourselves. I would say probably two years from when the last one was done. So, 
another year and a half. If you need any technical assistance, I'm sure I can come over and wave my hands over it and, and instantly double the amount of time it's going to take for it to come off, come out. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Is it true the working title's Chicken Foot 4? <laughs> uh, that's just yeah, a working title, yes. No, uh, It's called, uh, actually, we, the, the, the master plan at the beginning was to release both of them together, considering that uh, we have no label and uh, no real resources. We figured we might as well do a double album, but the second one is called Deny It All Later. So it's supposed to be Make Bold Statements, Deny It All Later. Chicken foot four. <laughs> <laughs> if Rob and I can ever scrounge up the money and maybe we'll do a Kickstarter for it and actually do a legit Foon Fest, you guys have a spot on the bill. Yes. All right, we're on our way to Ohio. Just let us know when. I assume that's where you'll, you'll have to. <laughs> Yes, you'll have to stay in the Kern family camper while you're there. We we don't have a whole lot for uh, room accommodations, but there will be beer and food. All right, well, uh, that sounds uh, uh, better than most accommodations we would get. So. <laughs> it has beer and food, therefore it, it already edged out everything. So. At least for my experience. <laughs> Well, this is how out of the loop I am on Sammy Hagar these days, because I generally just tune him out. Um, there's a new HSAS record in the works. Now, is that real? I think that was a bit. No, with Michael Anthony replacing Aronson and Chad Smith replacing Shreve. Well, when I saw that, I took it like Sammy didn't realize that Satriani was also an S. <laughs> And, like, he missed the opportunity with Chickenfoot to just call it H-A-S-A-S then. Um, I guess maybe I'm misinformed. Uh, I'll have to talk to Sammy and get the straight details. But I took it as sarcasm because it was so stupid. Well, you know, it really limits because you've got to when you – it's kind of like ELP, you know, when they came back with Emerson, Lake, and Powell. You know, they, they had to limit themselves <laughs> to, like, known entities that ended in P. Well, I do know what you're talking about, but you are getting a little outside my age structure. I think that happened, I don't know, when I was two. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I think that when we talk about age structure, I think that's a lot of the difference between the David Lee Roth fans and the Sammy Hagar fans. It seems like there's almost an age bracket where you can draw a line in the sand and most people fall one way or the other. I will say that um, uh, if it pleases the court, my defense is in the inability of David LaRoth fans to accept a different singer. Like it really wouldn't have mattered who it was, and that has largely tainted the uh, the uh, the negativity towards Sammy Hagar. I do agree because I I can tolerate Sammy solo, but after Van Halen, it just he it just soured the whole thing for me. The only Sammy solo I can tolerate is probably the Standing Hampton record. The first Montrose record, as much as it pains me to admit, is a, a classic staple of American hard rock. Um, it really kind of set the tone, really even for Van Halen and what came after him. But I draw the line at the rest of Sammy's output. I mean, Give to Live, that's just a god-awful song. Where Eagles Fly... I never saw so many people leave a 20,000-seat venue to go pee or go get a beer as I did when uh, he broke into that. I do like Sammy. I, I, I do respect his work in Van Halen, and I just think he's an overall good guy. But if you like, I'll open with my statements. Please do. 
<clears throat> Sammy Hagar is a rock and roll icon and lyrical genius, the type of which has not been seen prior or since. In one hand, rock royalty. In the other hand, heavy metal poet for the people. One need look no further than the song Mastaquila as evidence of the wordsmith I call Sammy Hagar. As a self-proclaimed expert on all things Sammy, I find it an honor to expose the inappropriate level of respect for the Red Rocker and to defend the honor of the man who saved Van Halen. This is not just an opportunity to defend Sammy. It is an opportunity to put a face on anti-Samitism. That face has two faces. <laughs> Those faces are Eric and Rob, hosts of the podcast from out of nowhere and pathological anti-Samites. Thank you. Wow, that's a passionate defense. That get it going? Paula Dean had you represent. Yeah, I mean, if Paula <laughs> Dean had you representing her, she'd still be on the Food Network right now. Yeah, she should have given me a call. I could have taken care of that. Yeah, I, I will. I'll plead to. I'll agree that I'm an anti-Samite, and you know my <laughs> my wife is too. That was well, one of the things that, that that led me to marry her, actually. Your uh, your status at the Food Network is in jeopardy. <laughs> what? I mean, what? His name a, is uh... Sammy. Who hates someone named Sammy? How do you how do you defend actions like those goofy songs where he'd spell out Trans Am? I, I just that that to me is like whistling in heavy metal. The spelling of of of, of words. Well, I guess he could have done a cover of Happy Trails. <laughs> or maybe Pretty Woman or Dancing in the Street. That album is the greatest backyard barbecue record ever. Diver Down oh. is phenomenal. <laughs> One of the greatest albums ever recorded by Van Halen, and they only have like two original songs on it. Ah, that was that that stuff, that album's horseshit. That is when it kind of became clear that David LaRoth was kind of running the show. And, you know, if you look at things historically, you know, Eddie was just a drunk kind of going with the flow who got sick of working with Dave. But it turns out everybody got sick of working with Eddie. Now, what was your introduction to Hagar? Let, let, let's set this. When, did, when were you introduced to Sammy? Uh, you know, I probably knew a couple of his songs before I knew it was him. I really got to say... I definitely knew who he was before this, but I think the first time that it became clear who he was was probably I Can't Drive 55. Another lyrical, just it, like a poet. <laughs> now, you're not can't the drive least bit bothered by the, now, you're not the least bit bothered by the fact that Mas Tequila is essentially a ripoff of Gary Glitter's uh, rock and roll, which might mean that Hagar condones pedophilia. <laughs> maybe that's why people are well, anti-samites and some people might consider that a bit of a stretch but um going with that argument um unlike some people who have blatantly plagiarized other artists he did actually credit him uh, as a songwriting credit on it well that puts him one step ahead of the hip-hop community I didn't. I I just yes. always assumed that he didn't put him on there. I assumed that he went to whatever prison in Thailand he was at, and and they sat down and collaborated. Is is how I take that. <laughs> I would even counter that Hagar wanted to be associated with Gary Glitter. 
that he went out of his way, not just to credit him, but to say, you know what? I agree with the buggering of little boys in Thailand. <laughs> is is Sam Catholic? Do we have confirmation whether what, what his religious affiliation is? Um, I, I think he's um I got nothing. <laughs> Kabbalik. Uh, um, I I think I like- I think Eric is kind of with me. Probably, Eric, your first experience with Sammy was uh, kind of mine. You, you found his, we found his cassettes of his earlier Capital stuff in the in like the bargain bin at Twin Fair. Yeah, that came after. Actually, I will say my introduction was a positive one. It would have been Standing Hampton. Yeah, a great was, what, record. 82? Yeah, and then I discovered the other stuff in the cutout bin and said, "God, this is horrible." The recordings yeah. that he did, uh, um, what was which what label was Standing Hampton on when he switched to that? It seemed like his sound got better. Yeah, that was, uh, was that Geffen. Yeah, he had switched to Geffen yeah. at that point. Yeah, okay, so it is the Capital Era stuff that's all just shitty sounding, and like the, the album artworks is, are all just crap and focused and, on red a lot. Yes, yeah. yeah, a lot, a lot of songs about red. And I assume that's his Sammy whole... Sammy sings about what he believes in, and he believes in aliens, and he believes in the color red, and the power of the numbers 10 and 13. So yeah. he's a numerologist as well. Yes. And a colorologist, I guess, because of the whole red thing. I don't know how that, how that fits in. Now, I, yeah. I like Standing Hampton, and then I would go back and buy those cassettes, and those cassettes had their moments... I think another turning point for me was that three lock box album where he did that, you know, because back in the back in the day, you if the rock guy would do a single with kind of like a hot chick, and so he did one on that. What was it? Remember the heroes with uh with the guy from Loverboy, Mike Reno. Another reason why we should hate Sammy Hagar. If you're if you're partnering up with a fat guy in leather pants, red leather pants, maybe that was why he chose him. Was Ann, you know, I, we can do that with Dave too. Come on. Was Was Ann Wilson busy that week when they recorded it, or what? <laughs> Robin Sander would return his calls. Hey, Steve Vai left David LaRoth to join White Snake. You don't quit your job at Taco Bell to join White Snake. <laughs> Vivian Campbell joined White Snake. What's that say? And he went to Def Leppard. That's kind of a lateral movement. And now he has cancer. Look what Def Leppard did to him. I think he got cancer for being a dick to Dio when he was alive and then nice to when he was dead. Rob and I are going to start a new character called Evil Dio with Dio from Beyond the Grave settling all of his scores. <laughs> well, is one of his scores that he has to settle being so short? Vinny Apathy went and had a colonoscopy this week. Nobody is leaving any stones unturned as Evil Dio is on the prowl. <laughs> uh, what did, uh, uh, well, I thought him and Vinny were like really good buddies. I don't think Dio was really good buddies with anybody but Craig Goldie. It's the only thing that explains why Goldie kept getting work. <laughs> they really Here's didn't do another. much outside, outside of Dio. <laughs> Here's another thing about the, the, the Hagar Capital era. When Rick Springfield has a hit with one of your songs and it's far superior than yours, <laughs> that says something 
quarterly about you. How could, Rick Spring, how, could Rick, better. how could Rick Springfield rock harder than Sammy did on that song? He didn't. Sammy rocked harder. Now, I will say in Hagar's defense, Capital had no clue what to do with him. They did try and pop him up quite a bit. Yeah. He got kicked off of the Kiss Tour, the Dynasty Tour, for swearing. That's pretty fucking rocking. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, Kiss were still angling for the kids at that point. Well, actually, they're angling only for the kids. So there's your uh, Gary Glitter connection. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of those kids, so I probably should be quiet. <laughs> like nine years old when that record came out. Please tune in next week to our very special episode, Touched by a Demon, the Jason Bakken story. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, this is turning into a Michael Jackson theme. I just... hey, if, Sam, if, if they can throw uh, Michael Jackson a multi-million dollar taxpayer-funded funeral, Sammy Hagar can borrow a drum beat from Gary Glitter. Now, I I still think, you know, you make fun of David Lee Roth, but I think his whole twirling the stick thing is much cooler than Sammy's whole alien nonsense. You mean like when he brings that samurai sword out? Yeah, and, yeah. Ah, come on, that is silly. It's like he he's like those, I don't know, those uh, martial arts douchebags that call their apartments dojos. It's like they just take it too serious, but they've really got nothing but just a little bit of stick twirling. See, Dave epitomized what was like the American dream. He was the California beach guy fronting, at the time, the world's greatest rock and roll band. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's difficult for me to use Dave as an example because he's got plenty of dipshit stuff, but I actually, I'm a fan of both and for different reasons, but uh, I, I think Dave doesn't get enough credit for basically inventing... Uh, a frontman persona that was just copied by everybody that did hair metal in the eighties. Well, Dave was the definitive frontman in a lot of ways. I mean, he really kind of took what Robert Plant did and then he kind of camped it up. He turned it into old style vaudeville entertainment. And I, he gets uh, portrayed as kind of a doofus for some of the things he says. And I, I think unfairly so to be honest, because uh, nobody says that about Steven Tyler, and that guy's a way bigger idiot by what comes out of his mouth than David is. Dave actually makes sense. If you listen to what he's saying in context, yeah, it's a little goofy and out of out of your little norm, but it's not just nonsense. And Steven Tyler, I don't, I don't think he's in the same realm as far as when it comes to that goofy crap. Well, and to Dave's credit, he never was a guest a ju or a judge on American Idol either. That's sort of the <laughs> ultimate jumping the shark moment. Yeah. And plus, in Dave's book, he never confessed to having homosexual relations. Not that there's anything wrong with that, unless you're Steven Tyler. Well, I didn't read his book, so. Neither did I. There was just an excerpt of that or some reference to it uh, on a thread on Metal Sludge. And I'm like, well, I don't need to read this. <laughs> Now, one thing I will give Sammy points on is just his, you know, his whole business sense because he had that mountain bike thing early. He was in the mountain bike. You know, I'm into beer, but I can't turn it into some kind of multi-million dollar. Oh, I heard that. Hang on. Let me. But, oh, yeah. nice. He had that, you know, he had that mountain bike company and then, you know, the whole Cabo Wabo thing. Now he's releasing, I don't know, Sammy's 
sub and you know battery of the month club shops. Well, now he has, as far as all that stuff, kind of turned into the, to a little more like Gene Simmons, where he just puts his name on shit. But when he started out doing like even the Cabo Wabo tequila, it didn't say Sammy Hager's Cabo Wabo tequila. Right. You know, it wasn't until uh, oh god, what's that? Eagles manager that got involved, Irv Azoff, I think is his name. Yeah, uh, Irving uh, Azoff. Yeah, where he was trying to basically negotiate a Van Halen reunion, either with Dave or Sammy, whichever one he can get going first. And basically, he just invited Sammy to his office and hooked him up with a, a distribution deal for his booze. But he also like uh, started a sprinkler company uh, for like apartment buildings, like. Um, and became like the second largest, and this was before he like you know even right around standing Hampton time I think, but made a lot of money doing that and gave it to his brother. He tours now just to keep his band employed. Yeah, I I do like that. I do like how he kind of uh, you know kept Michael Anthony in hot sauce by bringing him out. <laughs> That hot sauce tastes way different than every other celebrity hot sauce out there. I don't go for the whole celebrity hot sauce thing. I, I like it where it's like, you know, there's like fire coming out of somebody's ass on the label. That's the stuff I go for. I'm actually with you. All the celebrity... It, now it's turned to celebrity headphones. That's my my new beef. But uh, seems like a hot sauce for a while. Um, what's that guy from Tool does vineyards? Yeah. It's like, I, I don't want my rock stars fucking making wine, man. I want them passing out and vomiting somewhere it's just and not off of a fine pignot i just so you're not drinking a bottle of jeff tate's operation mind wine <laughs> no he's he's the one who gets a pass because he's so fucking weird he, he it makes sense that he's making wine <laughs> I could just see him walking through the vineyards with his eyeliner on and his vest, you know, sweating a little bit and crushing the wines and, you know, rubbing them on his goatee. He looks like he should have been the villain in one of those Schwarzenegger Conan the Barbarian movies. Yeah, that, yeah that's... Uh, <laughs> he could have replaced Gene Simmons in uh, Runaway. <laughs> Anybody could have replaced Gene Simmons and run away. Well, and, and also business-wise, Sam had there around that whole VOA era, you know, the whole Ronald McDonald thing going on, too. <laughs> oh, God. you telling me that that court scene uh, in the I Can't Drive 55 video where they're all wearing, like, somewhat matching jumpsuits that you weren't like, that is what I'm going to look like tomorrow when I go to school? <laughs> See, I thought I, I thought it was just ripping off the Devo look poorly. Like, I was so pissed off my stepmom would not make me one of those. <laughs> you know, um, when I actually became a, uh, like, kind of a devout follower of Sammy, um, when he played uh, in Minneapolis Live, this is after Van Halen, uh, with whatever his band is, the Wabos, um, they did a, a free uh, um, street fair, and it was fucking great. And well, I realized, it like, what's it that? was free. It had to be good. It was free. Uh, it wasn't because it was free. It was. It was actually a really good show, man. He has like you know, like passing out drinks while he's up there. He's got uh, people on stage. He got a little bar, and and the music was awesome. He, he and by the way, nobody sounds better after doing as long as he does as he does. 
You know, I mean, you know, you look at some of the uh, all-timers. They've all lost a little something in the voice. But uh, DirecTV showed Chickenfoot at, like, fucking uh, Rocklahoma. And they did Rock Candy. And it sounded, I mean, he sounded fucking just like, you know, he did back when it was recorded. Yeah, Sam has, he has kept himself fit. I will give him that. I don't know about fit. He's going to be uh, 67, I think, Mm -hmm. this year. Which makes him my mom's age, which is another reason for him to be not cool. <laughs> and my mom has red hair, too. And a matter of fact, I saw her yesterday. She was wearing that red and yellow jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> well, how fucking old is Dave? It's not like he's... he. It's not like Dave looks better, by the way. Dave looks like the fucking librarian at high school nowadays. A, a well-dressed, uh, vested one, but... I think if nothing else, when we, we wrap up this conversation tonight, we'll all come to agreement that Gary Sharon was the worst singer in Van Halen history. Um, well, I didn't prepare for that, but I strongly disagree. He was fucking phenomenal. It was just a bad record. Oof, that record was no good. You guys really don't like that record? No, yeah, I, I bought awful. it. They aptly named it three because it, that way they could just, when people took it to the used record stores, they didn't have to put a price tag on it. <laughs> It was actually free with purchase of the best of Depeche Mode. Well, the, the only time, record that... Uh, I, I don't mind the record. It's definitely not great. And yeah, Gary's showing his hands down. The It was just time to move on, kind of like what Kiss should have done a long time ago. But um, it, I just didn't... Uh, I was such a fan of Eddie, and, and he, the music on there is really good. And I, and I don't hate Gary Sharon's voice, but uh, I don't know. It definitely wasn't Van Halen, let's put it that way. I remember seeing an MTV concert from Australia from that tour where Alex is wearing a neck brace like he should be finding an ambulance chaser attorney to file a lawsuit. <laughs> and well, it if he was an right ambulance, he could have called David Larat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Point for Mr. Bakken. Um, and, and there's Eddie needing the hip replacement, so he's just kind of like leaning against the drum riser. And Sharon's all prancy like he's Freddie Mercury's bastard child. And it was just pathetic. Even Mike Anthony's like, what the fuck am I doing up here? It was well, just I know one you of guys the... are, are big fans of that metal show. And I remember um, uh, <laughs> when um, Nuno and uh, Gary were on there, uh, Nuno made a big point to talk about how he was the best singer in Van Halen. And I, and I felt bad for Nuno because that was about the dumbest thing he could have said. Yeah. You just stay out of it, man. Why bring it up? You know what I love about Nuno is he catches a lot of shit from these hardcore guys about touring with Rihanna. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you realize what kind of money he's pulling down for doing this as opposed to what he would get for an extreme reunion tour? Yeah, I mean, he's at that age where he does have to, like, you know, factor what kind of uh, earning he's he's making at the time. But uh, I've never found the payday is as as a justification for whether it's good or not it's oh, just a uh, reason to do it oh i i agree with you completely with that but yeah. you know i can't begrudge the guy for wanting to stay in first class hotels and you know fly first class to go do shows yeah i i don't think i'd turn down the gig Rob, in fact, is, is president of the rihanna fan club he doesn't like to admit that but i'm gonna out him now yeah, it's something I do on the you know just just something I do every morning. I do well, my I do my fifty push. To Rihanna today. Yeah, I, well, I do my fifty push ups and then then send out about four hundred tweets about you know what Rihanna's up to today. 
<laughs> and, and then he goes to mass. Yeah. It's a full day. Yes. Goes to mass. <laughs> now, I one thing I I would love to see is you know how we have the different versions of Queens Reich. You know, we've got Jeff Tate's Queens Reich, and then whatever the other Todd Latore, whoever they're singing with them. I I want to see this branch off even into like Sammy Hagar. I'd love to see like one of Sammy's old sidemen, like Bill Church's Sammy Hagar. <laughs> where they would just bring out some guy with floppy blonde hair and put him in that jumpsuit and, and sing the songs. Well, some guy they, they found at Home Depot. Why does it have to be Home Depot? Do you not like Menards? We haven't had we haven't had a big rock star come from Menards yet. I'm all about saving big money at Menards, but right now we know Home Depot is the breeding ground for new rock. Well, then I gotta be tuned into this. Who are we talking about? Uh, Boston had uh, found their Brad Delp replacement at Home Depot. He apparently he apparently safely operated a grill. Literally found him in Home Depot like they were shopping and he was on a shelf. (laughs) That would be too convenient. Now the guy had YouTube videos, and so. After Brad Delp died in a tragic grill mishap, um, they figured, <laughs> hey, this guy must know his way around a gas grill. Let's go ahead and sign him up. It'll be safe. The yes guy, wasn't he like an insurance man or or like an IT guy at, at some lumber reply place, supply place? I can't remember. I don't know. It's yes. I could care less. And that gas grill comment was a bit insensitive, Eric. Um, Brad Delp used charcoal. <laughs> grill men use charcoal. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was Brad Delp's shame. Maybe that's why he took himself out, because he used propane. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these Brad Delp jokes never get old for me. <laughs> uh, that whole lawsuit with their family suing um Oh, because like he wasn't nice to him, basically. It, uh... He hurt his feelings by taking him all across America and having him perform on the biggest selling debut album of all time. The bastard! How insensitive. Well, then, then didn't didn't they finally leak then at that point that he was you know banging his sister in law or whatever? And no, yeah, he was videotaping his uh, girlfriend or fiance's daughter. Oh, at, was it a daughter? With a closet okay. cam or something like that. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he was uh, doing. Chuck Berry on her. So they uh, they discovered that, and for some reason he killed himself shortly after. So, And she was like a minor, you know. There's your Gary Glitter connection again. It just keeps coming back. <laughs> Damn it. All, all roads lead to Gary Glitter. Before <laughs> so we're done, we'll link Obama to, to Gary Glitter. It'll bring down the presidency. <laughs> now, now, what grade were you in when uh, 5150, as I like to call it, came out? Still had a paper out, but I want to say ninth grade. Okay, that was eighty five, yeah. right? Yeah, eighty five ish. Yeah, see, we, I was a I was a senior. Eric was probably a junior, and we were more firmly entrenched in the Dave camp at that point. I was a sophomore. I remember buying the record and coming away. What the fuck is this? It, once I got to Dreams, and that's like what the third track on side one. I'm like, I don't think I like this. Fuck that. That song's fucking awesome. I love that whole record. My whole basis of a Dave versus uh, Sammy thing comes down to this. Like, if I was to make like the ten favorite Van Halen tunes, there might be one or two Sammy. But if I want to listen to an album front to back, which I'm a big fan of, there it's. I think it's Van Halen one, then the four Sammy records, and then eighty four. 
I just I don't think the records are good with wow. Dave. I, I the, the songs they they just as far as an album being I mean there's great songs and they're they're the best songs of the catalog, but I, I just think the albums are stronger. They're more consistent with Sammy. Not think, that there aren't some spots that uh, are a little weak, but uh, one is just a complete classic record from from top to bottom, and it should be because you know they yes. demoed that and played those songs forever. Um, two was a little rushed, but I really like two a lot. Um, Women and Children First, Fair Warning are kind of hit and miss for me. There's some songs I like on those, but I'll buy your argument there that those albums are weaker. I'm with Rob on Diver Down. There is no, no better summertime summertime record. Yeah. You put that on and the beers go down smooth. The burgers taste better. Your in-laws are more tolerable. Perfect record. And 1984 uh, was just chock full of hooks and, and great tunes. It's a great album. Um, I just I can't get my arms around Diver Down. It's it's so fucking stupid. It, 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 it it's silly. It just it was kind of almost like the first sign that like David LaRoth wasn't quite as cool as he <laughs> as you thought he was. I I think David LaRoth, you know, uh, 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 lovers and haters of Sammy. You have to be both. Um, like they time capsule him in that uh, Hot for Teacher video, and that's the guy they think of. But I, I, he's done so much goofy shit over the years, uh, you know, far more than Sammy. And I just he the only his only saving grace is that like uh, his botches and, and and weird stuff weren't giant hits that Pepsi used to make a commercial. You know, and where Sammy, like he would, the stuff that I really don't like by him and Van Halen was typically the stuff that MTV played the shit out of. I, yeah, I, but... I think that if David Lee Roth Van Halen is like a bag of potato chips, and the Sammy Hagar era Van Halen is is a lean. So listening to Sammy will make you crap your pants. Yes. Okay, it took me a second to figure out what you said bells. there. So you were referring to that... Uh, Van something? Halen with David Lee Roth is a potato chip. The Sammy Air is the Oween. And you mix the two and you're going to have a leaky anus. Okay. Now, in Dave's defense, he never wrote a lyric as bad as Only Time Will Tell If We Stand the Test of Time. And he never wrote Up for, up for Breakfast or Pound Cake. God, I hate Pound Cake. That song's just awful. You're awful. <laughs> well, I'm not going to argue that. You're dead on right. All right, what about mine on mine? Black and blue, finish what you started, run around. The dream is over. Seven steel, can't stop loving you. Good enough. Get up. Best of both worlds. I literally know like three of those songs. It was just like you were saying random words. <laughs> well, like I said, if you're making the top test best Van Halen songs... These aren't going to crack the top 10. I could probably do top 30 and the Hagar wouldn't be on there. Well, that's because you're an anti-Samite. Well, I agree. I am an anti-Samite. I, I saw um, Van Halen on the Monsters of Rock tour um, when they came through here. And, um, and and Sammy wasn't like a dick about playing Dave tunes. He embraced it and kicked ass. It was awesome. Because he had to. Because he had to do the Dave songs. I have this argument with my wife, who, unlike Rob's wife, my wife likes Sammy. She actually prefers Sammy over Dave, and she can't understand why Dave doesn't do Sammy songs. And I always end the argument the same way, because Dave doesn't have to do Sammy songs. Sammy showers with a parrot. 
<laughs> so does Jimmy Buffett. doesn't want to shower with a parrot? <laughs> Sammy Hagar is Jimmy Buffett with more hair. There's really no difference between the two of them. They should both set sail to Margaritaville together. If They'd be were, very happy. If, if that was true, then Jimmy Buffett would be the second greatest singer in Van Halen. <laughs> I look forward to Jimmy Buffett fronting Van Halen. It could be interesting. <laughs> and I think you're more likely to get Dave singing Margaritaville. Yeah, it's a possibility. I wouldn't put anything past Dave. One of one of Rob's favorite uh, David Lee Roth releases was his No Holds Barbecue DVD. That still messes with Rob to this day. Wait a second, that was officially released? I know I got it kind of through unofficial channels, and you watch it, and it makes no goddamn sense at all until you put the second disc in with his commentary. And basically, the commentary kind of seems like he just did like three or four lines and said, let's do this, hit record. He starts talking and pretty much doesn't take a breath for the entire video. And when he explains it, it makes perfect sense. It's like, oh my like god! Like a lot of the videos we do. <laughs> oh, actually, that's a that is classic Dave, and um, he, he I, I I'll say it once many times, but uh, just he's far more brilliant than he gives credit for. He he's not an idiot. He's not a buffoon or a doofus. He's just a little bit uh, different and smarter than most people. Now, what you did know, you what did you think of the HSAS record when that came out? Um, my actual exposure to that was that MTV concert that they played every Friday for about two years. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, I think I owned it on vinyl somewhere, but um, I, I don't know that I've ever actually sat down and listened to it. They did a cover of uh, Janis Joplin, if I remember right, and that was horseshit. Um, and is there a, a a more I don't know a bigger waste of talent than Neil Schoen? It's just like, why are you in Journey? He never. He, it seems like he just never cuts loose. Well, I guess in that musical environment, he's not able to. But you can just hear him strain sometimes, especially on some of the older Journey stuff that he really wants to cut loose and shred, but he, you know, he can't. Well, I'm pretty sure there's only one Journey song that has guitar on it. <laughs> if, if you if you want to hear Neil Schoen shred, you have to dig up his records with Jan Hammer. What about Hardline? Oh, I forgot about that yeah. record. Rhythm Neil and a Red Shone, Car, bitch. Neil, Neil Schoen is uh, sort of like the Michael Bolton of the guitar. Oh, my God, that's brilliant. You know, because he's very popular with the ladies, because, you know, he's been married five times. He pays. <laughs> hey, more... to a Minnesota girl who uh, he's uh, recently fighting with. Yeah, and, you know, I think he was kind of in the right with that because he was paying her, like, a shit ton of money for uh, not only just alimony but child support and all sorts of other expenses, and she went back. What is it with um, all these rock stars that come to Minnesota to get their wife? Uh, Billy Joe from Green Days married a Minnesota girl, and uh, the only uh, the the pinnacle of my uh, one-to-one sitting in a room with uh, with a rock star experience, uh, the drone from Night Ranger, um married a girl from Northfield, Minnesota. Kelly Keege. Took yeah. me a second to remember his name. Yeah. There must be something there must be something going on that we don't know about. <laughs> I live here and I don't know about it. Isn't it the dream of every Minnesotan girl to marry the drummer from Night Ranger? Mm. Well well it was my dream, but uh <laughs> You had to settle for the bald keyboard player. Yes. 
No, he wasn't bald. He just like wearing a hat. Yeah, that... Brian Johnson has a full head of hair too. Who do you guys think is the coolest keyboard player of all time? <laughs> Fats Domino. Yeah, uh, that's too good of an answer. I was looking yeah. for something like uh, the guy from Bon Jovi. Or I'm gonna go with Gary Corbett, who stood off stage of Kiss for about a decade. Yeah, yeah. What do you? Uh, I mean, we're kind of getting off track here, but that's okay. We can ramble. And how bad do you feel for Paul in those clips lately with his voice? You know, not that bad. I mean, it's uh, he's just getting old. I don't think he sounds horrible, but yeah, it's there's clearly something going on. They just showed a t uh. Uh, one of his concerts on DirecTV, one of a, a Kiss in Germany, it was a couple nights ago, and I was actually, um, as a Kiss fan, just overwhelmed with this desire that they just stop. His outfit looks stupid. The whole band looks lifeless. They're perfect. They're robotic, and there's no energy. There's no urgency, and it's exactly everything that I didn't want Kiss to turn into. They're, I'd rather they just quit. They're not settled. Kiss anymore. They're playing Kiss. There's a big difference now when yeah, you watch them. Yeah, and it's it, it's stupid as shit. You know, I mean, uh, they they they're not Paul, Gene, and Tommy and Eric. They're Star Child, Demon, Cat, and spaceman as if somehow that makes everything okay it's like it's fucking stupid well and they've settled into that rut kind of like they did in the 80s where they just never changed the fucking set list i used to yeah. hate that and, and, and the you know i call them like kiss freaks or whatever the kool-aid drinkers whatever i i have a room dedicated to kiss i know what you know these guys are going through and i don't understand how they accept it this last album monster was a pile of shit the one before that sucked it as much they sound like Asylum, but the songs that weren't good enough to be an Asylum, which was a horrible fucking record. Ouch. And it's, just, it's just like, why are you continuing to support this nonsense? These guys look old. They're dressed up in outfits that and makeup, and they still look like your grandfather. It's just, it's, it's enough. I saw Paul on a solo tour a few years ago, and it was great. Yeah. You heard songs. You went typically. There was life. It was energy, and I was excited. I, have, I haven't fucking had a desire to see Kiss since Ace and Peter left. That's what I think, Rob. <laughs> Rob was once like you with the Kiss Room, but now Rob's to the point that he won't even take his 13-year-old son to see them. Yeah, and I, last... took, I took my daughter, but I just have no desire to take my son to see him. I, I don't want him to see him like this. I, I've uh, trained my stepdaughter well. She actually refers to current Kiss as fake Kiss. She probably posts anti-kiss threads on Metal Sludge now. <laughs> uh, she's not that interested, no. Um, but, uh, That's a I shame. Take... I'd enjoy her take. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll let her know. Uh, she's more into Slipknot. Yeah, it's better than corn. Yeah. <laughs> um, there ain't much that isn't, so... So basically, we're still down to we've decided that it's almost an age thing with with Sammy. You're you're only a few years younger than us, but it's just enough to where it made that little bit of difference because you were just kind of coming into your teenage years when when Sammy appeared. Yeah, and really, the the MTV era for Van Halen was mainly 1984 uh, with with David LaRoth, and then after that, it was Sammy. Yeah. Well, they were too cool to do videos for five one five zero. Then they had the Blue Angels and the Dreams video, and that was the only video they did. And then they did the concert video live without a net, 
which they did that stupid little choreographed thing where they strutted around stage, and I never wanted to kill somebody as badly as I did when I saw that. You mean that awesome bit during Best of Both Worlds? If you like, want to describe it as awesome, I like to think of it as asinine and horrific. Uh, where they lean their heads into the back of the person in front of them and walk back and forth? It looked like the Nazis marching if it had been choreographed by Mel Brooks. I mean, it was Well, they were really sweaty bad. and tired, so it was probably more like the... Well, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me grab a quick beer. Like maybe the Nazis were behind them. <laughs> they were running from them. Didn't they do a Zeppelin cover on that tour, too? Didn't they, they did, did rock, rock and roll. roll. Um, they did a pretty good one of it. I think they did it at Live Aid. I don't know if it's in that dead video. I've never actually as huge of a, a, a Sammy fan I am. But, uh, I'm actually a bigger Eddie Van Halen fan than Sammy as far as uh, just being into a, a musician. But uh, I like Sammy. Everybody has to love Eddie. I, I don't know that I've ever had conversation with anyone that, that he, at least as a musician, as a person, he's probably fairly loathsome. But uh, so, yeah. Oh. Um, I get it a lot from like some of the the Kiss fans that I talk to that they 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 want these people to be like great human beings and they're just not. And I, that never really mattered to me that much. I, I give Eddie a pass just for the fact that I think that, you know, he basically does anything he wants to, and he does it better than most people. You know, he can do any, you know, style of music, and it still sounds like him, and, you know, it's, 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 it's good. I think we, one one thing that has been lost to the sands of time, and this was one of the things that really kind of drove home my dislike of Sammy Hagar, was that goofy-ass hand symbol thing they used to do and it was on that dvd what the hell was that do you guys remember that i do and it's fucking awesome <laughs> i'm drawing a blank maybe it's a repressed memory that will come out of me at 3 a.m and i'll wake up screaming it was like something that diamond dallas page would do before he'd do his you know diamond it was kind of like the metal move. horns with the thumb out but then you put the two hands together over your head and you connect the thumb and index finger and it was on oh, the back of their shirts for that show. Um, it, why does Sammy get blamed for that? Nobody else in Van Halen. Because they didn't do that nonsense when David Lee Roth was there. Yeah, they did uh, other nonsense when David Lee Roth was there, like uh, <laughs> Happy Trails. Did I use Happy Trails already? I'm going to go with uh, Really Got Me. One of the best rock and roll covers of all time. I'm not a big fan of rock and roll covers. Uh, you're no good. That was kind of done at Warner Brothers and Systems. They didn't have enough clout yet to fight that, and they were very pissed that that was the lead single. And why did they keep letting Ted Templeton throw all the guitar in one speaker? I mean, this was the 70s. There was cars that only had one speaker for a radio. <laughs> Yeah, those were always odd. The the mix on them was kind of. I remember playing them on my little uh, cassette that just had cassette player that just had one speaker, and it was always a little disconcerting as a kid. <laughs> How did Ted Templeton know which one you were going to get to hear? Because <laughs> he worked for GM. He must. He, hey, was, he was in. Cahoots. I don't have this confirmed, but. Uh, uh, my understanding is that Gene did not discover Van Halen. Paul did and took Gene to see him, and Gene took the, the lead from there. 
I, that I, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I read that recently, too, and yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I always liked the story that Gene said that Eddie wanted to quit Van Halen and join Kiss. Love that story. Well, Gene doesn't understand sarcasm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie was probably really drunk that night. Well, didn't, didn't yeah, Gene... he's probably drunk, just speaking out of whatever. I don't doubt that the, the phrase came out of his mouth. Yeah. But yeah, it was just probably like a... God, I'm so frustrated. Fuck, I might as well join Kiss. You know, but Gene's like, Eddie has to join Kiss. Paint an onk on my face. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually the name of Vinnie Vincent's biography. By the way, Gary Glitter will never let Vinnie Vincent watch his dogs again. You're still bitter because you paid 150 bucks for your cassette box set from Benny Vincent and it never arrived. <laughs> When's that fucker going to show up, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I've got the tracking uh, number. With a dead dog. <laughs> Man, you know, you know, Mark St. John got off easy. He got beat to death in jail. Benny Vincent had to live. <laughs> so, we, so we could mock him. I still want to do Saint- a. I still want to do a Foon feature film where we go to Nashville and 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 become sleuths kind of like Scooby Doo and drive around in a van and track Vinny down and film the whole thing. And so I like this guy who keeps giving you badly. What's that? I want to be in the movie <laughs> for the wrong. <laughs> he's, he's over, over here. He's over there. No, you wrong trailer park. I told you the other one. It'd be it'd be like a cross between the Blair Witch project and in search of with Leonard Nimoy. Oh, we got to get him. Rob and I have talked about doing that, too, with Dave Chappelle, because he lives in Ohio, but now Chappelle's starting to return a little bit to the public eye. So we'll have to go after Vinnie Vincent. Because you know, after um, Vinnie Vincent's such you, a household name. You guys have to remember when, like, um, satanic uh, messages and music was pretty serious stuff. Yeah. I mean, because I do, and you're a little older than I am. Um, sticks, uh, sticks put Satan in. They had Satan in their their lyrics. I remember that shit. Of course they did. I mean, the, if that's not the devil's music, I don't know what is. But um, when the fifty one fifty came out, um, my sister was uh, her future husband had some friends who were big born again born again guys, and they um, the song "Best of Both Worlds." They were explaining to me how it was satanic because it talked about bringing heaven down to earth. And it's not that interesting or funny of a story, but it, uh, it's something that stuck with me over the years. And like how, I think it was the first time that I realized that this is so moronic. I can't believe that grown people uh, buy into this devil nonsense. But <laughs> I had never yeah, heard I that could, connection. Yeah, well, I, I, could get <laughs> kids get, I could get kids getting all worked up over a Judas Priest record and wanting to shoot themselves, but it wouldn't be the Sad Wings of Destiny. It'd be the Turbo, because that album sucks so bad. I could see a kid getting so depressed that he wanted to end it all. You know, I gotta say something, Eric. Is there any like stereotypical record that you don't hate? <laughs> like, well, of course, you hate Turbo by Judas Priest and Fifty One Fifty by Van Halen. You know, give me one that like I, I love Crazy Nights by Kiss. Oh, that's that's a rough no. record. I don't mind Turbo. That has, it has its moments. It, you know, like it's, it's of its time. Not, you know, but I I have an easier time than a lot of people of separating like you know. Yeah, it's not exactly the greatest priest record, but I can still enjoy it. I like the new Guns N' Roses record. Not that it's new anymore, but 
It's just not Guns N' Roses, but I don't think the album's bad. Yeah, it just wasn't worth 14 years of waiting. Oh, God, no. But why why do you have to put that in there? What if he just didn't do anything for 13 of those years? Generally, the longer the wait for an album, the the more underwhelming it is. Um, You know, look how long it took Boston to put out Third Stage. Well, look how short that is now. Isn't it only like six? That's a good point. What the... What was it, 78 or 76? 76, I think, for the first one. And then 78 for the follow-up, and Scholl said he felt rushed that it was half completed. (laughs) Well, you know, he was kind of a nut like that, I guess. But, yeah, so I guess it probably was about eight years. So I think it was 86 when the next one came out. Third stage. Yeah, Yeah, that was 86, yeah. You know, well, especially when you have like, you have record company and backing to get this stuff done, you know, it, it almost becomes egomaniacal where you're just kind of like twisting and turning backwards. So, Well, and the thing I like now, and I've talked about this before, is that I really dig, I remember when my parents were in their mid-40s, none of the bands they loved released new shit anymore. I mean... What Chuck Berry was about, what, 71, 72 with my ding and then he was straight heritage. With bands nowadays, they can still record music. They don't need a big a label and a ton of money and distribution. I, You know, I think we're kind of in a cool era where we get to see the bands we still like still recording new music. And and I guess, yeah, you know, point. I'll make fun of Sammy, but, but I do give him props because, you know what, he, he still keeps churning out music. It may not be something that that gets my dauber up, but, you know, he's still doing it. And, and I remember my parents at a certain age, they didn't do it anymore. And the, the bands that they loved rarely toured. Yeah, but our parents grew up. We're all still kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about I... you guys, but there are so many bands that, like, I buy their new release just because of, I get this, I almost have to. But I remember being 12 years old. I remember being 12 years old and, and Jerry Lee Lewis coming to, oh, sorry, Jerry Lee Lewis coming to our small little town and my dad just being, you know, ex- acting like a teenager. He was so excited. I, I think it wasn't the, that they grew up. It was they didn't have the opportunity. Their bands weren't around to let them be, you know, young goons anymore. Huh. You think it was the music or just uh, cultural, though? I Well, I think I mean, it's... My dad wasn't that big into music, but he's... He, he looked older than I do when he was 30. That's true. I mean, yeah, some of it is cultural, but I, I know some of the people that, that are into music, I my dad and his buddies, you know, they'll sit around, and the one guy can, you name a song from the 50s, and he can give you the, the chart listing on the pop, R&B, and, you know, country charts, if it applied. You know, I think one of the differences, though, was the 50s stuff, there was a lot of novelty tunes that came out of that, and the, the careers were short-lived. But by the 60s, once the Beatles hit, you could actually have a real career and you could adapt and take changes and go off in different directions and your fan base would still follow you. So that's why you could have a guy, you know, like George Harrison from the Beatles forming a super group with Roy Orbison. You know, it seems to make perfect sense, you know, because we had kind of changed as a, as a pop music culture where we would buy into something like that and think it was cool where, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis, Chuck Bear. They were really stuck in that time and never had a chance to, to get away from it. Or they lacked the musical chops to do it. 
Well, that no, was kind of where I was going. I think it was more cultural than it was like, uh, you know, uh, it's specifically like the willingness to continue to do music because you could do it on your own or do it for cheaper. But um, yeah, I mean, the, well, the Beatles changed everything. So right. We got way, what's your take on We got way too Whatever. serious there for a moment. We we need to get stupid again. Oh yeah, let's let's close it up with some stupidity. Now you're our second guest from Minnesota that that's been on the show. Um, our friend Professor Neil Smith, the uh, great uh, crime author, was on with us about a year ago. He is also a Van Halen fan, and uh, like you, he uh, sort of leans towards the Hagar stuff. He hated a different kind of truth. What was your feeling on it, Jason? Oh, I loved it. Um, uh, I was a little disappointed to find out that absolutely none of it was new. Uh, I did like the fact that Dave actually recently kind of spoke out about that. It seemed kind of like a ballsy move because, you know, Michael Anthony basically got kicked out of Van Halen for promoting hot sauce while they're on tour. The idea that Dave could basically come on and say, yeah, that music with me is okay, and they keep going. So I like the record. Um, I will say this. Sure. After I bought it, I put in Van Halen 2, which has never been one of my favorite records, but uh, I, I, I listened to them very, like, almost back-to-back. Back. Like, it was one one day and one the next, and after hearing Van Halen 2, I did not feel like I would ever listen to A Different Kind of Truth again, but that has not proven to be false. <laughs> I think it's a good record. I actually like Tattoo. Everybody burned that song. I thought it was good. I didn't care for Tattoo. I think I was happy the, to hear she's the woman song. I think it was the next radio thing they did. Yeah, I didn't care for that one either. I, I've been yearning for a song in memory of Herve Belichess for years, and I was glad somebody finally did it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I give Tattoo a pass. You know, you mentioned that about the, the, the Van Halen boys getting a raw ass over Michael Man. Anthony selling hot sauce. I kind of wonder if, if that isn't a little remnant of the whole Cabo Wabo thing, because at one point they were all invested in that, and it was, you know, bleeding money like a stuck pig, and Sammy bought them out, and then boom, all of a sudden it's huge. Yeah, you don't know. I mean, I, I think Eddie's paranoid. I think uh, in Eddie's mind, like, uh, Sammy purposely had the thing tanking so that he could buy them out, as opposed to just doing it on his own right away i just I, eddie's kind of nuts man i just i mean he thinks he cured his cancer by liquefying part of his tongue and drinking it <laughs> i forgot about that oh. it's sort of like the south park episode where my magic johnson beat aids by concentrated amounts of liquid cash have you heard of the um podcast three sides of the coin no it's a kiss one and uh, if I remember right, Rob told me that you wrote that brilliant letter, an open letter to Eddie Trunk that got posted on Metal Sludge a few years ago. Yeah, that was me. Well, that was excellent, by the way. Oh, um, thank you. Uh, Eddie Trunk just recently po made a post that they shared, and if they didn't share it, I wouldn't have seen it. And it was the headline was Ace Update. And the update was, I don't have any news about Ace. Quit asking me. <laughs> um, so I commented that was less a po uh, an update about Ace than it was a woe is me post about Eddie Trunk. Well, the guy who uh, runs the three sides of the podcast, this is on Facebook, on their Facebook page, but uh, he took uh, uh, 
uh, a little bit of a he had a little bit of a problem with my comment. He's like, "How is that? You know, about him? He's just saying he doesn't know anything." I'm like that's my fucking point. He he. I didn't know that he was getting asked about Ace until he said he was getting asked about Ace. Like, why even bother? You know why you get asked, Eddie? Because you're in the fucking business and all you do is left and right talk about how Ace is your best fucking friend. If you're sick of getting asked about Ace, quit fucking saying he's your good buddy. That's it. Yeah, I think that I think we're in the midst of a major trunk backlash. I think the self-promotion has really, um, for the knowledgeable metalhead, has really driven them away. I think that for the folks who, you know, don't remember that John Karabi ever fronted Motley Crue, I still think he's their go-to guy. But, you know, he was making a big deal out of Tom Kiefer being on Letterman, but ignoring the fact that the reason Kiefer was on Letterman last week is because Letterman owns a portion of Kiefer's record company. I that's wondered how, how the hell he got up. on there. Yeah, that's yeah, he a, owns a, 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 yeah, Worldwide Pants owns part of that label. Because hmm. I thought that yeah, was weird. Dave has always, you know, been a big supporter of me. Music, but of course, you know, when it's something that will help line his own pockets, he's going to step up a little bit more. I was kind of bummed that I was kind of bummed that Paul Taylor on keyboards didn't have the big winger hair anymore. <laughs> However, Paul Taylor has rejoined Winger and will be with them for the uh, ship rock or whatever that hair metal cruise is. I saw that today. You can also go to the special acoustic room and see such fine acts as Mike Tramp and uh, John Karabi. And uh, uh, Eric Martin of Mr. Big will also be in the acoustic room. What's your take on those, Baco, on, on those big uh, rock cruises like that? Well, if there's alcohol, it'd probably be a good time. I mean, it's a way to float around the ocean and listen to some washed-up guys. Um, I, they, they've never really done much for me. I guess it'd be fun if it was free. Um, but uh, even the Kiss Cruise, I think, is kind of a joke. Um, and that's a band that I'd like to see do it. But I'd like to see them do that 20 years ago for about half the price. I have seen my father's bar bill after a cruise because my dad and my mom do a lot of that cruising <laughs> stuff. And, and I literally shivered when I saw it because I knew exactly how much my bar bill would be at that point. And, it, the, yeah, there's just... I think it's a neat concept, but there's no way I could afford it. Well, plenty of people seem to be liking it because there's so damn many of them. There's a great article on GQ, uh, uh, a guy from Deadspin that does Fun Bag wrote about he went on the Kid Rock cruise, and it's a it's a hilarious read. Go check it out if you get the chance. Yeah, okay, I read Deadspin all the time. I'll definitely check that out. I will say this: all the bands are the actual the singers of bands that uh, Eric mentioned. I'm all fine for every one of them except for Eric Martin uh, making some money. But uh, I, I think there should be a requirement if you're going to do a, an acoustic thing at, where you sing along with it, you should be able to sing. So. Oh, you're not a Mr. Big fan then. No, um, I was actually going to use that little one-liner earlier too with uh, Sheehan leaving <laughs> to join Mr. Big. But uh, <laughs> that's, a girl for, that's a band for fat girls on a porch getting drunk. <laughs> So I take it you won't be going to Melodic Rock Fest in the outside Chicago in September. No, that's a that's a little bit too far of a drive to see some uh, really bad music. 
Rob and I have tried to get Andrew, the guy that runs that website, on the show. He says he'll do it, but when it's time to get him scheduled, he uh, he doesn't respond to us. Right, we right. offered to give legit promotion to him as well for the show, but he won't respond back. I think he says yeah, and then he goes and checks out Facebook and Twitter and some of our <laughs> podcasts. He goes, oh, fuck. Well, no, you guys support him on Twitter when he was getting basically uh, blackballed by Trunk. You're just not, oh. you're not important enough for me. Is that the same guy, right? Yeah, that yeah. was me. I, I was uh, sending the tweets out from the phone. I mean, you know, Eddie got really kind of shitty with him. Yeah, it was bullshit. It was just basically like, you're not important enough. Uh, I actually had to go back and read Eddie Trunk tweets, so you actually are to blame for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we love Andrew. Just some of the music that, that he promotes, it's like, yeah, but I, you know. Well, the singer from fucking Danger Danger? Come on. Ted Poley. Ted yeah. Poley and his bone. Ted, Poley. Ted, Ted Poley's bone machine. That's not enough to make you pay for the no. hotel room for three days in Chicago and get the VIP tickets where you can have a well, picture. Well, it's enough to make me pay for it, but who else is going to? I've always been bummed out because when Ted Poley did that whole bone machine project and then went out and played shows, I was. Uh, there's no way that you could fit an actual bone machine in like a corner of a Chili's restaurant. I wanted to see oh, the like bone I, machine. Uh, I never even heard of that. So yeah, <laughs> nobody does. I've used this joke for like twelve years, and nobody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but you I know, it is the, book bands anymore. This is the one opportunity to see harem scarum in America <laughs> with Harry Hess, along with Fenric Lane and Wet, <laughs> and Rob's all-time favorite band, Degreed. Degreed, Which... <laughs> you've been degreed. I do so, that every morning when I put my deodorant. I've been degreed. Are you saying things that are actual things? These are actual bands hmm. promoted heavily by our friends at Melodic Rock. We like Andrew, but he's never met a press release. He won't just slap on there as news. As as evidenced by you can see from out of nowhere press releases. On there. <laughs> I think the whole music industry would... Uh, take a huge step forward if everybody just got a fucking sense of humor stop taking themselves so seriously i agree i agree a little bad press have a little fun with it if i was sammy Hagar, i'd be here right now talking to you guys <laughs> and you know he probably would i mean it's not Actually, like we yeah, if you're a little more popular but it's not like we hate sammy but we just you know he's our favorite whipping boy i you know no, I, I know i was like i, I read I, I'll admit I I read his book. I I bought his ebook and and you know on on, on e format and read it. It was a fun read. I I didn't get it because I'm literate. <laughs> oh, so you bought crazy from the heat? I think because that was such a fucking well written book. I checked that out of the Marion Public Library. Hey, you know what? The... At least that was before everybody wrote a book. That's well, true, everybody yeah. from that era. Yeah. But yeah, it was. Uh, I don't even remember most of it. It was kind of nonsense. Has anybody read the Stephen Piercy book? Not yet. I actually kind of want to. Yeah, I haven't read that either. I'm waiting for Amazon to have like a two ninety nine sale, and I'll snatch <laughs> it up. You and me both. I don't want to like read it that much. I'm waiting to like half price books. Like get it in there used. Or something. <laughs> I'll read it when I'll read it once Juan Crucier rewrites it. <laughs> <laughs> what What about Stephen Adler's book? I've got it on my Kindle, but I have not read it yet. Neither I don't read he. Stroke Victim. I, I only read English. I, I don't read Stroke Victim. Well, then you'll like this book because he didn't have anything to do with it. 
<laughs> Just ask the Go. person who's pissed off they didn't get paid for writing it. <laughs> it was ghostwritten by Matt Sorum. Yeah, I can't remember her name. I think there was an article on that on Metal Sludge, but yeah, it was like I, I did all the work and some guy came in and took it. <laughs> Rob and I are a little bitter towards Adler because uh, Rob had an interview set up with him and uh, the publicist dropped the ball. No, nothing against Adler. He was like, "I'll do it, but I got to hear from my publicist first. And and I've dealt with you know, I'm not gonna out it. You know, publicist, don't you think it's publicists a are the fucking worst to work with? But he was a great guy. Yeah, I think I think it's a cop out. We've had tremendous success with heroin addicts on the show. It would have been fantastic. Mm. Our episode with Donnie V was our first celebrity interview episode, and it remains our most downloaded. Are you a fan? Of Donnie V? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. Enough's Enough. I think they're a fantastic band who had they not caught the hair band look would have had a much better career. I had, I, you know, I, I think with Donnie and, and I talked with Chip and, and, and Chip said the same thing. Donnie's his own worst enemy. Time is, free time is his worst enemy. I, I got to say, though, um, when you say that, I think that's a point for Sammy. How does that become a point for Sammy? I'll give it to you, but I'm not. I guess I'm not clear. Oh, enough's enough, sucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. How are they still even doing it? I guess. Wait a second. I answered my own question when I acknowledged that I knew Ted Poley was touring. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, Donnie Don... V just left, right? I mean, they, he's replaced by that Johnny Monaco again. Yeah. 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 Hi, you know, how about something a little more current that kind of touches and all that stuff with uh, Five Finger Death Punch? They have had like two different guitar players, one replaced the other. I can't remember which one. I know the two guys, it's Daryl Roberts and Jason Hook. One is in the band, one was the guy the other one replaced. And both of those guys were like early to mid 90s fill ins for all sorts of 80s metal bands. Like oh, they yeah. weren't original Like yeah, Bullet Jason Boys. Hook was in Bullet Boys, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of weird as shit. And they just got like a new bass player for before their last record, who's like ninety. He's from like Nashville or something. That, that band, by the way, irritates the fuck out of me. But our our buddy Michael Hannon said that you know Bullet Boys, of course, because he was in you know down on the Sunset Strip back in the day, and everybody called uh, uh, Mark Torian back in the day David Lee Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Ted Templeton's Van Halen 2 project. <laughs> he just put the guitars in the middle on that mix. So. To, uh, to push more traffic to Metal Sludge, they had an article up about John Waite recently, and Carrie Kelly is his guitar player. There's another guy who was like in every Mach 3 or 4 version of the Sunset mm-hmm. Strip bands. Yep, yeah, and, it was, he was with uh, Alice Cooper for a while, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, didn't he replace Kane Roberts? <laughs> no one can replace Kane guy that, Roberts. Rob and I need to get <laughs> Rob and I need to get Kane Roberts on the show. We we saw Kane Roberts uh, run with Alice Cooper, and uh, we found the shows incredibly entertaining. Not so much because of Kane Roberts, but you know because of Alice. Uh, I saw an interview with him on something uh, quite a while back, and I thought he seemed like a decent guy. I Not much for his guitar playing, but. Well, he had that cool machine gun guitar. Yeah. But he was out before Alice uh, did that direct trash record, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he left before that one. When when Alice's career came back. 
Yeah, Kane went to make a solo record, which tanked. Now I think uh, he runs it. Love on a Rooftop. No, that's Desmond Child's song. What was... Does anybody ever fall in love anymore with Kane Roberts' song? Oh, jeez. Wow. Okay. Nice, nice. Well, we'll give you a point on that. <laughs> I think Kane Roberts... Kane Roberts now runs a deli in the Bronx with Vito Brada of White Lion. Yeah, talk about that. What, what the hell happened to that guy? He won't rejoin White Lion because he's too busy doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the choice is nothing and White Lion and nothing wins, that tells you how he feels about his legacy. You know, sadly, I listened to Pride yesterday. Oof. And you lived to tell the tale. Well, I made it about halfway through, and then I got a phone call. <laughs> Mike Tramp's voice just <laughs> Thank God for the phone call. <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, actually uh, got their autograph. Uh, Kiss was on tour on the Crazy Nights tour, and we went to a record store. And um, I had to give a ticket to a guy to drive us to Rochester to to see the show um, because he was not a fan of Kiss at all. But I didn't get my license in time to drive myself, so uh, I gave him the ticket so he'd take us. And uh, we're standing this called face music in rochester and this this guy that drove us comes up to me taps the show he's like look over there i'm like what is it that's white lion and they're actually signing autographs at a table and so i went and got a uh, something signed but uh your boy mike tramp was pretty hammered and it showed in the show so <laughs> well we need and to wrap this up our audience loses interest after about an hour, and we've hit the hour 15 mark. Um, plug, what, what's Jesus Christ got going on this summer? You got dates booked? Right now, we only got two things lined up. We're calling it the I-94 tour. We called it that after the shows got booked because they're about six miles apart, right off of I-94, going through uh, one in Minneapolis, one in St. Paul, which up here is a pretty big deal. Um, beyond that, we're doing shows in Owatonna. Eventually, it looks like it's looking to be fall. Um, we have two new music videos in the work and other than that we're just going to keep uh doing what we do and you can follow us on facebook twitter and uh reverb nation to get all your updates facebook has the most current information the other stuff we just kind of uh diddle with once in a while well we absolutely love you guys and we, we thanks to uh rob and uh, the phone smu show and playing you pretty heavily uh you now have a fan base in the uk as well Excellent. I, I'm I'm a huge fan of the show, by the way. I listen to you in chunks because I usually download your shows and uh, uh, put them on my MP3 player and listen to a few at a time. So I'm a little behind a couple months right now, but uh, I never miss any of them. So. That's okay. you got well, plenty of time to catch up because we didn't really do much for the last couple <laughs> oh, of yeah, months. Oh, yeah, you guys have had a nice little break. So, uh, um, yeah, we... we, but, we, uh, we... And I, and uh, I love your tweets. I love all your comments. And in spite of what we uh, got into today, I actually love your sarcastic attitude towards Sammy Hagar. It's all fun. And then basically, much like the federal government after all this, we're still kind of gridlocked on the whole thing. You love Sammy. We we love to you know, whip on him a little bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I won. I'll see my six-pack in the middle in like a week. You, yeah, you did. I think if we went back and recalculated <laughs> the points, you probably did win. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think you Go ahead. I think the judges would score a unanimous decision. You got much. You you worked the body early and took out the head. We were pretty much <laughs> up against the ropes late in the fight. I, my my only uh, uh, goal in doing this is that uh, Sammy hears it and then buys me something really expensive. <laughs> 
maybe or names maybe the tequila you'll... after me or something, or maybe more. I'm more of a beer guy, so maybe Sammy will will switch from that stupid beach rum to some kind of Sammy Hager's Baco beer. Maybe, yeah, maybe he'll name a sandwich after you in his new sub shops or whatever the <laughs> hell he's opening. Hey, you never brought up Planet Us, so I appreciate. Oh, that's that. right. Yeah, I forgot about Planet Us. Nobody talks about Planet Us. The uh, I mean, oh, we didn't talk about Sammy Hagar's Plastic Extruder Corporation either. <laughs> He's currently in Eastern Ohio fracking. He's really <laughs> making a bet off of that. Well, hey, thanks you guys for all the support and let me do this. This was fun. Uh, uh, if you want to do a kiss episode, I'm your guy. Cool. Oh, hey, that's that. fantastic. Yeah. We will we will actually bring you in as a, a guest host. We'll, we'll the three of us will gang up on a guest some night. Oh, that'd be awesome! Yeah, some little dweeb that thinks kiss off it kicks ass, right? Little bitch, fucking squeeze him like fucking melon in your butt. <laughs> we know a couple podcast hosts that that would fit the bill for that perfectly. If if, if they're up to it, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, podcasts devoted to kiss. And you God know, I, as much as I love Sammy Hagar, I can fucking go to town on Kiss. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I know what our next episode is going to be now. <laughs> I do that, yeah. It's about time we do some theme episodes instead of just random nonsense. <laughs> yeah, of course, we did the theme episode tonight. We rambled all over the place, but it was more entertaining that way. <laughs> well, you guys are good at it, so keep it up. Thanks, brother. You keep rocking with Jesus Christ, and we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks again for the support. I'll see you later. See ya. Thank you. So there you have it, winner and still champion Jason Bach, and he uh, he put a whooping on us. Uh, you know, for shits and giggles, we got to send something off to, to Sammy's uh, publicity people and, and see if we can get 15 minutes. We should. Uh, the other thing that bummed me out was that, that Bakken ripped on uh, celebrity headphones. That's a new craze. And I wasn't able to get a plug-in for our new Foon headphones that you can buy over at our site. They're actually the old the old one-ear, the white ones. It's just the one <laughs> thing that you put in your ear. We don't have enough money yet for stereo. <laughs> they, they only work with transistor radios produced in the 60s and 70s. They're yeah. not compatible with today's iPods and, and whatnot. We're gonna to try to put a Kickstarter together to to do a you know a stereo version. I'm also working on what I call the Funaphone. Um, it has nothing to do with the phone, but it's like the flutophones or the recorders that you had to play as a kid. An official Foon branded one that will only play uh, "I Stole Your Love" <laughs> when you blow into it. So I think that'll be fun for the kids. So so look for the Funaphone. Look for the Funaphone. We survived Direco here in here in Foonland. Well, we survived this one, but the weathermen tell us that there's another apocalypse uh, due in. So look for an Asian reporter on a highway near you telling you it's raining. I uh, I lost over the last uh, the last Direco my Facebook comments. I actually lost a friend. I mean, not even only on Facebook, but like in real life, he was so upset by my comments. I uh, first said that uh, Direco was a failed TV show starring Skeet Ulrich. And then uh, after um, the Direco failed to happen, I asked if I'd taken Viagra, would I have been able to get a Direco? I and, test. Uh, I test drove one at the Dodge dealership last week. <laughs> the Dodge Direco. Yeah. It, it bends when you hit sixty-five miles an hour, and is guaranteed to knock down your fence and remove some shingles. 
That's all the nonsense for this edition of From Out of Nowhere. I think Rob's cooking up a, a new SMU for next week. Yes, yeah, I, I'll do an SMU. We may have a guest, or I may just get drunk and play music. Either way, maybe the, you'll have a drunken guest playing music. You, you never can tell with the SMU. That's right. So until then, we'll talk to you later. Take her easy.